What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Digital Balance Podcast. My name is Leon Hitchens, and as always with me, I have Sonny. What's up? All right, so this week is the Android Authority, I mean, the Android Podcast. (laughs) Um, The Google Podcast? The Google Podcast. It's Android, Google, everything related. Yeah, Uh, so Leon is uh, Leo Laporte now, and uh, it's this week in Google. I like it. Um, Google I.O. just finished. It was, what, Thursday, Friday, right? Or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, so that's their yearly developer conference. They talk about um, where Android's going, what new services they have. They used to announce like hardware, but they don't do that anymore. They save that for the fall. Yeah, it's pretty much more focused on developers now. Guess we'll just go in order. Um, what about Christian Taylor's article on Digital Bounce? Yes, that's. Let me click into that. Yeah, so Google Lens is the first um, thing on here. And it's basically like back, I don't know, like five years ago, there was Google Goggles, which is like an app Google had that, you know, you could open it, opens up the camera, um, you could point it at something like more than just the QR code, it could open up, it can look at an actual object and it tells you what it is or some information about it. Like if it's a product, you can buy it and stuff like that. So it's essentially what Google Lens is, right? Yes, it's Google Lens. It's a little smarter in a sense. Um, like the coolest feature I thought they announced with Google Lens is if you have like a router modem from like your, your internet oh, provider. Yeah. And you could like connect to the Wi-Fi right away. That's really <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, you just take a picture of it and Google like does everything. It connects via Android. You don't have to worry about it. I think that's the coolest feature. Well, I think the main thing is like, you know, it's not an actual app this time. It's just built into Google Assistant. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's, you know, you can just right away launch Assistant. You don't have to worry about, you know, um, finding the right icon and stuff. It's just built into Assistant. So um, you can just like search right away, you know, by visual. Um, well, what what was it before? What was it called? Google? Goggles. Okay, Google. Well, no, there was something in Google now that was built in that had like, you would take a picture of your screen, right? You'd press and yeah, hold. Yeah, so that and... was, um, I forget the, is it now on tap? Oh, yeah, now so that on was tap. like what was on your device screen. So Google Lens is just uh, the bigger brother of now on tap because you could open up the camera app and then proceed to press the now on tap button and it would analyze what's in the camera app. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, it's probably... I don't know if that works, but it would make sense if it does. Um, If I do, like, the long press and the home button on my Nexus 6 right now, um, it actually, like, it. it's kind of a combination of both. So it does, like, um, what's on my screen thing here. So I can, like, tap that, and it will provide me, like, recommendations or whatever based on what's on my screen. But I guess with uh, Google Lens, there's probably going to be an option to switch over to the camera. So the main thing yeah. is like it's really accessible. Yeah, I'm I'm totally excited for it because um Christian said it's like their competitor to Bixby Vision. But yeah, it's going to be <clears throat> this like Sorry. makes Bixby kind of like like who will want to use Bixby, you know. Mm, like mom and dad. 
Right, I guess, but I mean, I think like, well, so on the Samsung Galaxy S8, if you long press the home button, does that still open Assistant? Um, I'm actually not sure. Because if that's the case, like even on a Samsung device, you can access Assistant pretty easily. So like, yes, there's a Bigsby button, but they still need to figure out a lot of the features with that. How many people are actually using the long press to like access assistant though? Because I feel like a button is more accessible and also like intuitive. You're able to just know to push it because long pressing a like the home, the software home button is a little bit of like you have to train someone to do that. No so one here's, knows. Here's my like there. theory though. Um, a lot of people that are coming like from an iPhone to a Samsung device they might be used to like double tapping or long pressing the home button, like the physical home button on the iPhone. So I feel like they might try to do that on a Samsung device and be like, oh, cool. There's like this Google now Google assistant thing that I can use. Okay. But, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. But like, yes, on that say the fact that there's a physical button for it, obviously more people are going to use that. Well, we'll have to wait and see because Google Assistant, I feel like, is only a fraction of what people use. Like, no one uses it on Android devices. The one that it's available. Right. Like, just voice search is really what people are used to. Yeah. Like, my dad, he sits there with his Android phone, and he'll, like, type with his voice. That's all he does. He doesn't ask Google anything, really. He just types with his voice. Yeah, it just depends on how much Google will market this. Um and I think they'll market their very They're already marketing this more than they did with Google Now. Still very little overall, though. Still very little, yeah. All right. Well, since we're talking about Google Assistant, let's talk about Google Home Improvements. It's also next in the article Christian wrote. So it's perfect. Very convenient. Yeah. So do you want to talk about this? Because this is like very reminiscent of the last episode when we're. <laughs> You know, when you were talking about Alexa versus Google Home. Well, I even wrote about it on digitalbounds.com. I wrote that in the end, I'm going to stay with Google Home. I, I really want to switch to Amazon system just because there's the TV, there's the Echo Dot, the Echo, the Echo proper, and then the Echo Show. But Google did something interesting. They announced a few things. So they announced you can finally do reminders. You can finally, finally. Add, <laughs> you can finally add calendar events, and you know I didn't think about this. They finally introduced that because they add multi multi profile. They didn't want to have people doing multiple reminders on the Google Home and having like more than one person do it, and then being having the system confused. You know, but they still had shopping lists though. <clears throat> Yeah, but shopping list is so collaborative. You do it as a home, as a family unit. Reminders and calendars were synced to get to your Google Calendar, so you needed to make sure that no one else was adding extra junk to your calendar. I guess I can see that, but it's like with the shopping list. I mean, it still goes to that one Google account. So unless you're sharing that account, it's still like well, just the one person having that. But, but I see what share. you're saying. It's less personal. You're right. You would share the what do you call it? The shopping list with everyone in the family. Cause it was Google keep for a little while. Now well, it's if, within if they the knew app. about it. Yeah. I feel like most um, households wouldn't really know about, I think like most people don't even realize it goes to Google keep. Well, if you, if you have a Google home, I'm more than positive. You, 
you are locked into Google in some shape or form. And you know Google Keep is the calendar. I mean the the shopping list. Right. I guess it's more um yeah, I guess you're right. Mo- most mostly like regular people buy Alexas and then people buy the Google Home if they're already in the Google ecosystem. Yes. It's just I f- still feel like Google Keep is a niche app, so that's why I'm, I'm saying that. Okay, that's that's very true. It, it's a very like single feature, single use app, but overall I'm actually like I'm actually super excited about hands-free calling on the Google Home. Okay. So that's the other thing that they announced. To uh just one up Amazon, they announced uh voice over IP calling that you can use to call any mobile or landline phone. So any contact in your your Android contacts or I'm sorry, your Google contacts, you're able to call. So you could say uh, G word call mom and it would search your contacts and it would call that phone number. And if you set it up properly, it'll call from your number. So your number will appear on that person's phone and it's all routing through. I, I assume Google voice. Yeah. And I think I'm not sure if it goes through your phone number though. Cause they said it just goes through like, you can set it up to do your phone number. Otherwise, oh, you if you don't okay. set it up, it goes through a private number. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. And I assume, because um, I'm not sure if they mentioned this or if there was a demo for this, um, I assume that like them, they will speak back. Like you'll hear it on the Google Voice, uh, Google Home speaker, right? I well, where else would it go? Well, I don't know. Like maybe it'd be dumb, but if they would like just route it to your phone, they could potentially just do that. Um, I assume it's through. It's all through Google Home because. How Google's positioning this Google Home now, it's going to become your home hub. Like It's going to become the replacement for your home phone, honestly. So instead of having a home phone, we're going to have like a Google Home that is your assistant, that's your home phone, that is like your remote control. It's it's your home hub. And I, I think that's really like smart on Google's part because they're using the Chromecast as like their screen. So that was the other thing they announced. They announced like a TV interface for the Google home. Uh, it's, it's the rival to echo show, but Google's betting on this one speaker, one device, instead of having multiple lines of devices, like Amazon's betting on. Yeah. I think it's like super smart to do it this way. Cause I was wondering like, are they actually going to release an echo show competing device? But the way they did this, just integrate it with the Chromecast with your TV. I think that was really smart because now like every one of your screens, just add like a $35 Chromecast to it, which you probably already have done. And you have like Echo Shows all in all of your TV screens, essentially. And once they open it up to third parties for development, I imagine everyone's going to want to jump on it because Chromecast is a really big platform. It's a $35 device that you can add on to any TV, computer screen, and just have like um, a smart TV. The the only thing that I I really don't like the Chromecast device because there is no physical remote. Right, like you have to use your phone. Um, but at the same, I mean, that's kind of what they're aiming for. But I completely agree. I, I sometimes wish it had like either its own interface, which it kind of does, but you can't really like open up apps, and you can't really control it unless you have your phone. Yeah, so I I'm more leaning towards buying like um, an Android TV, and just doing it that way, because it'll still be Chromecast enabled, right? 
Yeah, and they're, I think they're um, adding Google Assistant to Android TV as well. Because yeah, I, I know the NVIDIA Shield or the NVIDIA TV, whatever it is, has a Google Assistant already. Oh, okay. So it's nothing new. I, I remember them talking about it at I.O., that they're adding assistance. Yes. Or maybe it's so just voice the last search thing that that's Google on the video shield, was, but now that's actually like full which Google I, Assistant. I start laughing here because I think it's a joke. It's a proactive assistant. It's really Google's um, nefarious work for uh, notifications on your goddamn Google Home. I honestly like worried about this. I don't know what Google's going to end up doing here. Um, notifications, the, it, what it means at the moment is it's going to start showing or trying to notify you of um, upcoming events, upcoming traffic events. So if traffic is super heavy, it's going to tell you you need to leave 20 minutes before your scheduled leave time to uh, make sure you make it there on time. Um, it's going to also alert you to uh, flight delays. So it's it's going to be helpful in a sense, but I think it's also going to be extremely, extremely annoying. Also, at first I thought it was going to be annoying because I thought like, oh, does your Google Home just start talking in the middle, like out of nowhere? Um, but it, all it does is light up. So I don't really see that as something that's annoying unless, you know, it's like the middle of the night or something. I suppose, but I feel like there'd be quiet hours and quiet time and everything. Well, I mean, it does not like just speak out of nowhere. You have to say like, okay, G word, what's up? So well, like, it's. Yeah, you have to tell it to like actually speak to you, but how often are you going to actually recognize that there's um, the lights lighting up? I, I very, I turned on the feature that when you speak to Google, it actually beeps on the Google Home. Oh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yes, it's in accessibility settings in the Google Home app. Um, you can say Google, and then it'll go boop, and then you know it's it actually heard you because at the angle that I have, like where I have my my current Google Home is like on a mantle right now. So when I speak to it, I'm normally sitting down or I'm like further away, and I cannot always see the lights light up. Ah, uh, okay. So I guess it depends, like. Yeah, it depends on the location you have it. I feel like I feel like in the living room, like where you might have it on a mantle or something, you don't really care too much about proactive notifications. But where like maybe in your bedroom as you're getting ready, like you'll see it more often. I don't know. It just maybe they will add an audible sound to it. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that's going to be more annoying. Like if you don't notice it, it can show up on your phone like like it does with like Google Now for um traffic updates and stuff so i don't think it's like a big deal it's kind of a nice it's a nice to have feature i think in the long run someone's going to end up abusing the feature and it's just going to become garbage because i already have enough notifications between um, my phone my laptops you know on, on my watch the only notifications i really have on are like slack notifications and text messages every other app is muted because i don't really care about it yeah, so but, I don't want. Yeah, we just live in that world, I guess, where we've got to be notified everywhere, enough everything. Uh, the next set of announcements from Google is a uh, Google Photos improvement. You want to yeah. talk about it? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, 
they're basically like just adding more machine learning stuff. So uh, one of the things they're adding is smart sharing where just um, when it, you know, it notices who you take pictures of. So like this is your brother or this is your mom and stuff like that. So a lot of the times, you know, you take a photo and then you don't share it with that person or you forget to share it. Um, so Google's AI will, you know, check of like p- good pictures. And again, I don't know what clarifies as a good picture. I think it's like if it, the picture's blurred or not, um, you know, there's like shadows and stuff like that. Um, but it will remind you, be, you know, hey, you have this picture of your brother, you know, you should probably share it with them. So it kind of just gives you um, just reminders to share photos with people. Um, and then they, the other thing, yeah, go ahead. The other part of it is there is like a stronger algorithm in there. So if you take, uh, let's say you go to your son or your daughter's little league baseball game or softball game, and you're watching them behind a chain link fence. You take a photo of your daughter, or your son behind that chain link fence. Google is able to now use an algorithm to remove that chain link fence and just show you the scenery and your daughter or your son. So you could do this before, but you had to be very proficient at Photoshop and have a lot of patience. Now an algorithm is just doing it. Yeah, I thought that was really amazing. Like it depends on how good it is, but from their demo, it it seemed like it did a really good job. And I then think in most cases it would be really good, but of course Google is always going to show you the best case scenario. Right. Exactly. Um, and then one thing I thought was kind of a weird release, um, was they're releasing like actual picture books, like photo albums. Um, so basically you can, you know, select certain pictures or certain albums from your Google photos library, and you can get a soft cover book for $10 or a hardcover book for $20. Why do you Um, think it's odd? I guess it's like just moving away. Like, it's like we're putting our photos from uh, physical to digital and then back into physical. Um, I'm like, I'm all for it, but at the same time, it's just, it's a weird move. It's, it's not a, it's not something I was expecting for Google to release. I, I think it's something expected just because I know Amazon has Amazon photos. And if you use their photo backup service, you can order prints that are really cheap and you can order photo books. So it's just kind of Google saying, look, we can do it too, because people do like to have physical uh, physical things that they're able to touch and show people of their like vacation or their daughter's first birthday or or their 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 wedding. They want to have something that they can show. They don't have to say, "Oh, look at this photo on my phone." They can say, "Oh, look at this photo book." I oh, think yeah, it's I think it makes total sense. I thought it was just like I mean, because they have this other app. I forget what it's called, but you can basically like take a picture of a printed photo and put it into Google Photos. It'd be funny if you then took that picture and then put it into a photo book. Like, it's just really funny. Inception. Uh, the last piece of Google Photo news is they have 500 million active users. I mean, it's a free service and it comes, I think, pre-installed on a lot of devices. So that's not a surprise in my opinion. I feel like that's small number, honestly. 500 million for Google, like... I like on the scale of like Android phones and everything, I feel like Google photos should be more, more heavily used. Well, I think a lot of people are still kind of like, they're still scared of the privacy concerns. Cause why would you upload your entire photo library, especially like automatically from your camera roll 
to to a Google service. I think a lot of people, even though like they see it, it's on their phone, they still don't want to use it because they 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 have they associate Google with you know privacy issues. I suppose that's true, but I also feel like I want to make sure all my photos are backed up. And if I lose my phone or I damage my phone, I don't want to worry about my photos being gone. So maybe I'm just paranoid, but well, I I'm feel the same like everyone way. should do it. I'm okay. the same way. But I, I, again, like I feel like outside of Facebook, I mean, even with Facebook, you know, you're you don't you're not going to um, upload all of your photos, just the ones that you're sharing. So uploading like even private photos, because there's been, you know, iCloud, you know, leaks and stuff like that. So I think a lot of people are just weary for those reasons. But people like you and me, like, yeah, I don't want to lose um, my photos. Uh, of course, I'm going to back it up to some service. True. All right. The next piece of news is uh, YouTube updates. Um, really, it's just uh, something that lets developers or okay let me start over it's the super chat api it lets developers build on um this concept where people can pay to chat with um content creators so in the live chat you can chat with them you can pay ten dollars to jump up the chat but now there's this concept where if you want to have let's say you have hue lights in your your apartment or your office or whatever and every time someone pays ten dollars to chat with you you want them to flash the hue lights green for like money, money, money. It's somewhat of a cool concept. Christian takes like a very like optimistic look on it. And in all honesty, I think this is utter garbage. Like you shouldn't have to pay to chat with somebody. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, it's the issue of, you know, the chat scrolling so fast during like a live stream or something. But you know what um, this reminds me of? Like, you know, like those showgirls, like like the porno girls. You, you're yeah, paying like cam girls, twenty dollars yeah. to have a a private chat with them. That's what I feel like YouTube's doing. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I feel like it reminds me of Twitch because Twitch has so many add-ons and stuff. Um, not necessarily paid. Like they do have some. You know, you can pay to like subscribe to someone, um, and you get like some extra features, like stickers and stuff, or something like that. But it just reminds me of Twitch, like. Having this, you know, having your hue light flash a certain color, that kind of does make sense because a lot of people, like gamers specifically, they'll have, you know, if someone donated money or if they're just subscribed or followed you, they'll show it up on their, you know, live stream, like in the in the actual screen. So it kind of makes sense for them to do something like this. Um, I don't. So, is integration though? That's 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 not paid. It's just if someone sends a super chat, so if someone. Or not? Yeah. No, well, I think it. All of it is ten dollars, right? The integration as well. Yes. Well, well, you don't pay to set up the integration, but if a developer sets up that integration, a uh, YouTube creator can like enable that integration. So he just used the example of the ten dollars to blink uh, the hue light screen. It could be any amount. It could be a dollar to do it. Okay, so it's still technically donations, right? Yes, it's just donations to talk to someone. So, like, okay, yeah. So it reminds me of Twitch, basically, because you yeah, know, you I just donate ten dollars and terrible. something pops up, like your username pops up on the screen. So it's like a physical variant of that, but you can do whatever you want. Yeah, the last piece of news is Android Oreo. Well, <laughs> maybe. 
I think it'd make a lot of sense if it's Oreo. Google teased Just, it. They had Oreos at Google I.O., okay? What else can you... You, can, you can't well, I, tease I it. They're probably still in the middle of um, talking with... What is it? Nabisco, right? That makes Oreo? Yeah, it's Nabisco. Yeah, so the same way what they did with uh, KitKat. I, I feel like Google already has it stamped out. They have the deal and everything. I feel like they're just teasing it through now. Um, I'm really excited for this Android update, even though it's technically supposed to be a very small one um, in terms of like there's no big flashy features or anything. It's an um, incremental but update, but it's yeah. very smart in what they're doing. They're adding more security to make sure Android's safer and that Google Play services is like the core part of of Android. Um there's some OS optimizations to make sure your battery life is, is better. But the big one is battery life improvement because they're going to take an iOS feature, I, I air quote feature, because it's just they don't let apps run in the background. They let one app like sleep in the background and that's it. They have uh, rules on when you can refresh an app, when you can send a notification, when you can access the Internet. So there's all these rules to make sure that um Android is not being bogged down by all these apps running in the background. Yeah, I mean, that's been Android's issue, like, from the very start. Just It was an Android issue. Android actually, like, marketed themselves for a little while, saying, look, any app can do anything. There's no limitations. Right, and just apps kind of, they let apps do whatever they want and run rampant, which is, I call it an issue because, obviously, we get battery life issues. Google calls it a feature. Right. (laughs) Uh, um, but because of that, though, I'm very excited. Um, I just, you know, a lot of people have been having issues with the Nexus 6P um, with battery and stuff. I, I know it's not necessarily related to this potentially, um, but regardless, I mean, everyone's going to have better battery life with Android O. True. Uh, the big thing is, so I have a Pixel right now. I'm debating on updating to Android O beta, like. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> have you tried? Or have you already tried the developer preview? Right? No, I didn't try the developer preview because oh, okay. I heard it was a somewhat of a clusterfuck. <laughs> it was very buggy. Well, I wouldn't recommend it since you're using the Google Pixel as your uh, main device. Yeah, but like, but at the same time, I know you've done it before. Yeah, like I use my iPhone. 6P. You have an iPhone as well, right? Yeah, I have. A, I have a. An, an iPhone 6. I also have like a Nexus 6P. Oh, I could inst- No, I think it's only available on the Pixel, right? Yeah, I think so, which is really weird. Like, I, I, I think I know that they do one and a half or just maybe one year of updates. But it's still just like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm on a two-year update cycle, just out of choice. Whereas Google's um, on a one-year update cycle. I think the Nexus 6 will still get Android O. You just can't beta test it because they want you to use the Pixel because it's the most optimized version of, of like Google's Android operating system. Well, are, are they updating the 6P? I thought they were not. I think once Android O hits public, they'll update it. Oh, okay. You just can't install developer preview. Yeah, normally developer preview is reserved for like the most recent phone. Um, they do actually have like one feature in Android O, which is kind of cool. It's a smart text selection. So basically, it's kind of like context copy. So you know, you select some text, um, and an option will pop up if it's an address you're selecting. Um, there will be a Google Maps icon. 
Um, if you like highlight a phone number, a phone icon will show up and stuff like that. So that's pretty useful. Yep. Before we jump into this week's other news, we're going to do a quick ad and I'm going to do it right this time. So HelloFresh is this week's uh, sponsor. So I've subscribed to a new food delivery service. It's called HelloFresh. They send recipes and ingredients each week. The recipes are a nice little card, but you could use your phone if you'd like. But the most important part of this is the ingredients are pre-portioned. So you don't have any extra food waste or any extra ingredients that you're not going to need. You can pick to have it delivered either three times a week or more. Um, It works for two people on the three times a week, but you can also get it delivered for a family for much more. Um, If there is ever a rare occurrence that any of the ingredients are spoiled or there's something missing, you can always call them and their customer support is some of the best. I've had one problem that was minor. It was just missing one spice. They issued me a refund and they uh, helped me make sure that I had my next week's meals. So if you want to subscribe, you can get $40 off your first meal with the coupon code Leon or L-E-O-H-I-T. So I'll drop that in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. It's $40 off your first uh, delivery. So that makes it a huge like discount when they charge you $60. You only get it for $20. It's a great deal, guys. I use it and I know it's a great service. What do you think about these food delivery services, Sonny? I think it's really great. Like I can't really cook, so boom, just you know, pay another service to do it for me, or well, you, you know, you have something cook. that lets me learn cooking. Rather. Yes, that it's that's a great way to frame it. HelloFresh will help you learn some needed skills to uh, cook. My example is I didn't know what zesting a lemon was, and <laughs> I actually had to look it up, and all because of HelloFresh. So check them out. The coupon code is. L-E-O-H-I-T. So, HelloFresh.com. Let's see. Uh, The next one is Twitter privacy settings. You want to dive into it? Yeah. So, have you on your Twitter app gotten this, like, alert saying, you know, Twitter has updated their privacy settings? And there's, like, a big... um, And, you know, they use a bunch of, like, jargon in there and be like, oh, you know, we don't... You know, we don't use your uh, data, you know, in a bad way or anything. Um, then this big button says, sounds good. And another one that like a really small link that says review settings. Have you gotten one of those? Yes, I kind of went through and I saw what it was. But can you tell us? Yeah, so basically initially I just clicked on sounds good. Um, but then later <laughs> I just saw a bunch of tweets. They're saying how Twitter is no longer honoring like the do not track header, um, which is a setting a lot of browsers added. Um, that just basically says, you know, you don't want um, uh, websites to track you across multiple websites. Um, so Twitter is no longer honoring that do not track header. And on top of that, you know, they'll basically sell your uh, data off to other places. I don't remember where, um, but essentially just, you know, follow the link in the show notes or in the article. Um, you know, the, go, to, go to Twitter settings and you can disable all of Twitter's um privacy tracking settings yeah so it has a lot to do with how advertisers target you on the website um did you request your data to see who was actually targeting you and what like like topics that you're categorized into did i see who they were targeting 
Yeah, like who targets you and what topics they're target targeting you for. Um, no. I, I would do it because I had um, a laundry list. I mean, I had like 37 pages of different accounts that have targeted me for advertising. I had like HostGator, some like uh, mattress companies, car companies, um, baby food companies. So I had like hundreds of Twitter accounts that have targeted my account in some capacity. And like it's interesting well, to look at. Well, is it um, advertising in, on other websites or is it like sponsored uh, tweets? On Twitter? It's just, it's all of Twitter's advertising pool. So that's sponsored tweets. That's like uh, carousel ads. That's video ads. It's anything within the Twitter ecosystem of uh, uh, advertising. Okay. I've definitely seen some sponsored tweets that I thought were like, oh, this is actually really relevant. I wonder, you know, if this is this is just a sponsored tweet, you know, to everyone or specific to me. It's specific to you. They like target you down to like uh, your like gender, Facebook, age, Facebook and everything. Facebook ads, essentially. Yes, but slightly more creepy because uh, <laughs> the big outrage was if you did not assign your birthday, if you did not assign your gender, it was guessing your gender. It was guessing like other information about you. So people were like, look, Twitter was guessing that I was a woman and I'm actually a man. Like it, it, people were outraged by like how much information Twitter knew about you. Yeah, and I don't really care necessarily about relevant ads. Um, so I just go ahead and disable all of this. Um, you know, I mean, it's just it's just the same thing. Like, you don't really get anything out of it, essentially. Um, I feel like it's different from, you know, signing up for Google services. And, you know, even though they're free, you're essentially paying. Like, you are um, the product, right? You're selling your data your off data, to yeah. Google. But you get back, you know, a useful service. Um, so I see that differently as, like, for advertising, which... I don't care if I see a relevant tweet or not. I'm already using the service to follow people that I want to see, you know, relevant tweets from. So this is something I just disable and, you know, not really care about too much. In the end, I'm glad Twitter is being very open about their privacy settings. While they're not going to follow Do Not Track, you can tell them well, to just not advertise to you, essentially. They're being a little shady about it, though. Mm, somewhat, but you can still, like, turn it off and not worry about, like, being targeted Right. At the same, yeah. At the same time, it's, you know, they could have also just not let you know about it, just send out an email and that's it, you know, or just like on their website somewhere, add a little message. Yeah. They're a public company. They have to please their, their investors, which their investors want them to see them making more money off their ads. So it's like, I understand where Twitter is coming from. Yeah. Uh, the next piece of news that I want to do, like a follow-up, Windows 10S, um, they were going to allow you, uh, the Windows Store to have Linux distros, so you would you could use Ubuntu or uh, SUSE uh, Linux to like develop open source apps, work on any of your school projects. But the big thing is, it sounded like Microsoft put it in a in a way that Linux distros would run on Windows 10S, which is their like lockdown version of Windows. But it seemed a little honestly counterintuitive because Linux would mean that you could install Chrome, you could do anything, you would have all these command line, your shells and your consoles would all be able to access all sorts of information on Windows. The news is <laughs> Windows 10S will not run 
Linux distros. It's just going to be vanilla Windows 10. So I wonder if it's a technical limitation or they do it out of, you know, purely the fact that it doesn't make sense to have a full OS option that you can install for free on Windows 10s. It doesn't make sense because you can't even install Chrome on Windows 10s. Uh, right, if you but do like install in Chrome, of... if you do install Chrome on Windows 10s, it's using the Edge uh, browser engine. You can't use WebKit or any other browser engine. So if Windows right, is going to be locked, so locked down, iOS. yeah, if it's going to be so locked down, why would they let Linux run on top of it? Right, but in terms of you know just ignoring like if it makes sense or not, I wonder if technically they could have um, allowed you to install like Ubuntu from the Windows Store and have it run on Windows 10s because that like it's still an easier installation process. So I wonder yeah. if technically they could have allowed it. They just don't want to do it because it makes more sense not to have you know full OS running on a um, quote unquote limited one. Well, it should be. Um... It should be of it should be technically capable of running Linux because it's just a virtualized environment. If they're not doing anything with like their shell, like Windows 10s is necessarily just a stripped back version, locked down version of Windows 10. And yeah, I mean, I know the hardware it. is capable of it. I just wonder, like, maybe there's some APIs that. You know, just for some reason, oh, okay. technically, you couldn't do it from the Windows Store. Like, I know you can yeah, just they, manually install Ubuntu. They turned off some of the APIs in Windows 10s or something. Or yeah, potentially something like that. Exactly. Okay. I think it's just interesting that they're backing away from that. Especially because Windows 10s is like your, your student like operating system. And Linux is used by like so many college students. Yeah, but like for anyone that's in college, though, like if you're, you know, doing security or um, even it's like programming, it, it would have made a lot of sense to allow, um, you know, Linux to be installed from the Windows Store because you could, you know, program and do everything like this is, you know, a college oriented machine. So, like, I think it would make a lot of sense in that context, but, you know, it, it does um, reduce some confusion by not having it available. Yeah. So that's all the news that we have. Uh, we want to jump into personal topics. You want to go first, Sonny? I'll go last this time. Yeah, mine's pretty short. Just, you know, working on side projects still. There's a lot of exciting stuff that I want to announce, but probably in a few weeks I'll be able to. And then, um, so I saw this post on 9to5Google. Um, this guy, he bought, or he found a leather loop watch band. So it's pretty much the ones that are available for the Apple Watch. Um, but there's a eBay seller that makes it available for multiple Android watches. Um, so I bought one for the Moto 360. Um, it's for the Gen 2 46 mil- or 22 millimeter watch band, um, but the 46 millimeter um, Moto 360. So I'll try it out. It's got like a quick release pins and um, it's really easy to like, um, it just like wraps around. So there's no, you know, belt and hook sort of mechanism. Um, so I'll try it out and when I get it. So I see pretty it. excited it's, it's for it. Pretty neat. I'll drop the the link in the show notes. It's just using magnets to stay tight on your wrist, and yeah. that's clever because I'm always adjusting my watch. Yeah, and I, it's know, a leather sh- band as well. I should buy an Android Wear watch. I'm still using my Pebble watch. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend the Huawei. Oh, well, the new one doesn't really look that good, but nah, I don't know. I just, All right, I can't get behind any of them. All right, so your news? 
Um, I bought the August Smart Lock. Uh, there was an Amazon seller, like Flippers House or something. It was like Flippers Warehouse. Uh, they had the August Smart Lock and the uh, keypad for two twenty five, and it said it was new. I'm still a little wary of it. Like I, I feel like they're ripping me off in some capacity, but it's through Amazon. Uh, so I'll be able to return it or get a refund in some way. Wait, so is that separate? Um, or is that two twenty five for everything? Two twenty five for everything. Uh, yeah, I'd feel wary of that too, but I guess you'll see. Well, the seller had a hundred percent rating. It was 569, um, reviews of it. Um, I think only one person had like three stars rating for the guy. And it was like, he took longer to ship. It was back ordered. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> that's uh, a really good deal though. So if, if that's legit, um, it's a good way of getting this, the smart lock for your home. Yeah. So normally the smart lock goes for two fifty, and then the uh, keypad goes for $79 separate. So I'm pretty pumped. Uh, the other part of my news is I'm reading American Kingpin. It's by uh, Nick Bilton. It's about the Silk Road, so it's super interesting. Yeah. So is this um is this book the one that Casey Neinstadt talked about on his book club that he started? <laughs> it is, in fact, that was the one that he uh, he recommended. <laughs> is that why you're reading it? Um, not quite. Like. I just, I saw it come out, uh, Casey recommended it, and then I was like, I have to, I have to get it, because I want to read, like, about what happened. It's an interesting story about how this, like, college kid, he went to a Texas university, super brilliant, wanted to do, like, physics, he wanted to do, like, be an entrepreneur, but nothing he did succeeded, and had these very libertarian views of, it's your body, do whatever you want to it. And he thought he could build a website on the dark web uh, that would let you sell by any sort of drug. And it kind of worked out for him until he was captured and put in jail for, I believe, like hundreds of years now. Oh, wow. Okay. But this is a, like a true story? It's a, what is it called? It's a non- it's a nonfiction narrative, so it's based on on a true story. Nick Bilton, um, he used chat logs and used uh, interviews from like his parents, um, interviewed like friends, family, and just kind of got of like an idea of what he did and why he did it. And it's with the chat logs, you, you have like an idea of exactly what he said. So all that's kind of included in the book. I'm reading parts of it. And I'm also uh, listening to the audio book because I don't always have time to sit down. Yeah, that's my issue. Like I haven't really, I don't think I've read a book since, I guess since college, but you know, mainly cliff notes for that. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 mean, I might get into audio books um, because it's very hard to find time to read, like just sit down and actually read a whole book. Yeah, so I think I read the first um, chapter, and then chapter two, three, and four, I listened to the audiobook version of it, and then I'll probably read like two chapters, um, and then jump back to the audiobook. So the nice thing is about audiobooks, it's separated by chapter, 
So that means when you're reading, you just read a chapter and then you jump to the audiobook and it's no different. You still have the same narrative going. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. So it's super interesting. Um, like I listen to it and I'm like, these libertarian views sound so crazy and this guy sounds so crazy, but at the same time, it makes so much sense that he did it and how he did it. Cause he used the tour network. He used Bitcoin and Oh, the interesting thing about Bitcoin, it's at like $2,000 right now. Yeah. I saw that. And the other one, I think Ethereum um, yeah. spiked as well. I know. And I'm like super pumped because I, I bought Ethereum. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, because I had bought Bitcoin. Remember back in the day in like early like 2010, I was right. like mining it. I know you it. only had one though, right? Yeah, I only had one, but I had mined it like way back in the day. So I was like super pumped about all this. Oh, nice. Um, legit. I think that's all. All right. I think that's all the news that we have for this week. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. So if you like this podcast, rate us six stars on iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts now, but it's iTunes still. Um, you can find us on the Google Play Network or the Google Play Store. We're also on SoundCloud. So anywhere that you find your podcast, you're able to find us. Check us out. Leave us a review and tell your friends about us. It really helps us out in the end to get more listeners so you guys can interact with us. We really appreciate it. Um, Sunny, your Twitter handle? Yeah, Sunny Singh. Uh, mine is Leon Hitchens and... If you guys want to find out more news or read about what we're writing about, we're digitalbounds.com. You can find us on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook. We're all Digital Bounds. Thank you guys for listening and talk to you later. And buy some food. Bye. Bye. <laughs>